Please join me in our Christian dialogue this night. Who are these angels who come to earth? Who are these shepherds who run the sea? And worship the babe on the head of me. Who is this child, so small, so slight? Upon the angels sang that Who is this king, a manger his throne? Who is this God who sends us up? Into our midst, God's He is Christ, whose light shines in the darkness. And the darkness cannot overcome his everlasting I invite you to rise as we say.
Christ is born. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, you made this holy night shine with the brightness of the true light. Grant that we who walk in a world that is often dark may know your light shining in our lives. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.
the First Testament reading from Isaiah, the ninth chapter. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a child is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. A manger, his throne, from Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. 
While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. who come to earth from the second chapter of Luke, the eighth chapter, eighth verse. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to people on whom his favor rests.
are these shepherds who run to see? When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The Gospel of the Lord.
Years later, do you think they had a hard time remembering the exact sound, or was it something that you could never forget? No, it is actually kind of amazing that it was shepherds to whom the angels appeared to herald the birth of Jesus. Luke starts off his story by naming the big guys, Caesar Augustus. We learned about him in ninth grade world history. A governor. But it is not to those big guys that the angels appeared. It's to some unwashed, no-account shepherds whose profession by the time of Jesus had become the one most likely to be filled by those on the bottom rung of the social ladder. I guess what they did wasn't considered decent work because they did things like graze their sheep on other people's land. So everyone called them thieves or degenerates. A lot of towns back then had passed ordinances barring shepherds from their city limits. So they were stuck in that wilderness. But it's to them that the angels burst forth with good news of great joy. I'm wondering if any of you have ever felt stuck out in some kind of a wilderness. If not you, I'm sure you know someone. Someone who maybe stays away from church because they don't feel welcome, or someone who maybe stays away from a lot of places or things or people because they don't feel welcome. There are a lot of kinds of wildernesses in which to be stuck. There are wildernesses of grief, disappointment, illness, poverty, fear, anxiety, addiction, depression, worry. There are wildernesses of feeling like you never measure up, of doubt, of loneliness, of lost hopes and dreams. This time of year, there are the wildernesses of overspending and exhaustion. There are many, many things that leave us feeling isolated. I think every one of us here tonight has an inkling of how the shepherds felt out there all alone, under a fathomless sky with rocks for their pillows. I'm going to let you in on a little secret, and that's that God really loves outsiders and wilderness dwellers. Has from the beginning. God loves to do things like choosing people no one else would have to make the big announcement that Jesus was born. To these shepherds, shunned by many, disappointed by much, to them the angel said, Don't be afraid, we bring good news. A baby is born for you in a manger in Bethlehem. Glory to God in the highest. That's why they caught my imagination this year. It might also have something to do with an experience I had with another group in society that's often forgotten and overlooked, or might feel alone stuck in a wilderness. About a month ago, on November 22nd, our governor declared it National Adoption Day for foster kids. And a good friend of mine is a judge and invited me to his court in Port Orchard where several foster kids would be adopted into families. Anyone can go to this. It's one of the most joyful and chaotic things I've had a chance to attend. Matt says it's his favorite day of the year. 
It was loud. There were kids crying. There were pictures being taken. Some kids had to wait outside for their turn because the noise was just a little too much for them. But it was all okay because it was such a festive and fun and not your normal day in court kind of a day. So when it was their turn, each family came to the front and their caseworker and then the attorney shared that she or he knew the family and verified they were fit to be parents of that child. And then Matt said the words, I declare so-and-so to be adopted. And those who were not a family, by his proclamation, became a family. And I was thinking that's pretty much what happened to the shepherds on that dark Christmas night. There they were, tending their sheep when the angels told them a child has been born for you. And when they rushed to the stable and found Jesus, just like the angel said, wrapped in bands of cloth and being attended not by any bigwigs, but by people just like them, an unwed teenage mother, a humble carpenter, a bunch of animals, it was pretty chaotic there, too. But everything had changed. God had not been a human, and now God was a human. And that human Jesus was born for you, for all people. What a proclamation that must have been to behold. Well, Matt adds something to his proclamation. After he says the words that they are a family, there's a pounding of the gavel, only not by the judge, by the kid. Matt told me a few years ago he had an older girl who was in foster care and then was sort of claimed by a relative in another country to which she was brought, only the thing was she was housed in a camp where she didn't speak the language and she was miserable, not ending up being claimed by that distant relative. Well, it so happened that a couple met her in the camp, found out she spoke English, were somehow able to get her back to America and into their home as their foster child. On the day of her adoption, I guess, Matt looked at her and she looked sort of beaten down by life. So after he had proclaimed them family, he said to her, hey, I need you to make this official. Can you take my gavel and pound it on this circle here? And she lit up, grabbed the gavel, pounded it, and Matt said, you did it. It's official. You are a family. Now he lets all the kids help him by pounding the gavel. When I was in court that day, I got to watch a little girl in a frilly dress grab the gavel and have to swing it three or four times before she finally connected. <laughs> An older boy in a Seahawks jersey blasted that thing. Another little guy hid in his mom's neck as he sort of peeked out and haphazardly swung, but he did it. Of course, foster kids are people a lot of us forget about, kind of like the shepherds were. Many of the journeys these kids have had that got them to where they are would be unimaginable to us. One mom held a sign that said, after 856 days, you are our son. And what happens on that day reminds me of what God did on that night Jesus was born in that tiny town of Bethlehem. Telling the 
shepherds, Jesus was born for you and for all people, made us God's family. God said, I'm here for you forever. I wonder how the shepherds would have swung that gavel if they had one. Would they miss at first, or did they just swing for the fences and rush off to Bethlehem? Well, there was one other thing I loved about Adoption Day. You could tell all the families went together because most of them all dressed alike. There was a Seahawks family. There were families in fancy clothes. One of them had all the girls in purple and the boys in green. It's kind of a thing they do, I guess. Matt said one family had come one time all wearing Superman shirts. And he said, well, would you tell me the story of how you chose those to wear? The dad said that their son wasn't too sure about being adopted, but he loved Superman. So in their conversation, the dad told him, you know, even Clark Kent was adopted. And that's what did it for him. And to this day, I love it, Matt has a little handwritten sign on his desk, even Clark Kent was adopted. <laughs> when the shepherds got to the manger, after probably having to sneak into town, surely after not having had time to sneak in the back, it didn't matter. Because they didn't find God dressed up like the heavenly host. They found God dressed in the same outfit they were wearing, the outfit of a human being. Can you imagine? God took on our flesh so that God could be fully with us, no matter what, in good times and bad, no matter what life brings us, born as we are born, so that no one would be left out of God's family. Christmas is God's message of love for all people, in all times, and in all places. So tonight, on this holy night, when we remember God slicing through the heavens like a knife through inky black paper. Know this. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. It doesn't matter what wilderness you may be stuck in or how long you have been stuck there. I'm here to proclaim a child dressed just like you was born for you. And by God's proclamation, you are God's family. And none of us are alone. Glory to God in the highest. <laughs> Amen.
On this Christmas night, we respond to God's word, to the message of being adopted into God's family with the words of the Nicene Creed. This is an ancient creed, a creed agreed on by the whole church about 1,700 years ago. And we proclaim it tonight because it in particular celebrates the mystery of the incarnation. And so we join together in confessing our faith. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who is worshiped and glorified, who was spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us now pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Gracious and loving God, we give thanks this night for the gift of your Son. And we cry out to you for our world, and we bring to you the hopes and dreams for our world, for a just world, for a world of peace, and a world where all would know your love in Christ. And for this we pray, Lord, in your mercy. For all those leaders throughout the world and those people of influence, Lord, in your mercy. We pray for our nation, for our cities, for our neighborhoods, and for each of our families, that there would be peace, reconciliation, and hope. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, there's many people who are struggling and suffering tonight, and they're on our hearts and minds, and we know that your spirit intercedes for us. And so we bring those people to you now in this time of silence. Lord, in your mercy, as we come now to this table, as we've heard the good news, we give thanks for our adoption as your children, and we pray and thanks that this meal is for all of yours who you've called to yourself and proclaimed children of God. And so unite us together in this meal of forgiveness and grace and love, and indeed, a meal where you 
come to us and are with us. And so we pray all of this trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Let us share that peace with those around us. sharing the piece, I simply want to um, encourage you uh, to pass those friendship pads that are in the pew there down the aisle. If you're a member of Silverdale Lutheran, you don't need to sign it tonight or anything, but if you are a guest of ours tonight and you'd like more information about our church, you can simply put your name and an email there or an address and we'll definitely send, um, send you some more information. So with that, we continue with our offering.
Holy God, as we present gifts to you, we pray they might reach those in greatest need, lift those in the deepest despair, and bring compassion and peace to those who find themselves amidst conflict. We pray this in the name of that holy child, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior Jesus Christ. In the wonder and mystery of the Word made flesh, you have opened the eyes of faith to a new and radiant vision of your glory, that beholding the God made visible, we may be drawn to love the God whom we cannot see. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church of earth, on earth, and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. And we pray as our Lord has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Lord Jesus, reveal yourself to us in the breaking of this bread as you once revealed yourself to your disciples. The gifts of God are ready for the people of God. You may be seated and there's a paragraph of welcome and hospitality to the supper on page 9. If you are a guest of ours tonight, we do commune by intention, so when you receive the bread, either dip it in the first cup, which is wine, or the second, which is grape juice. The gifts of God for the people of God.
the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ truly strengthen you and keep you in God's grace and peace and in God's family now and forever. Amen. So as we move to singing Silent Night or to hearing of 1 John, the first chapter of John, and then singing Silent Night, just a quick note as we light our candles, a reminder to do that safely. And the way we do that is the lit candle never tips. It stays this way, and the unlit candle goes to the side, okay? Um, so as we sing Silent Night, we hear um, the first chapter of St. John.
May you be filled with the wonder of Mary, the obedience of Joseph, the joy of the angels, the eagerness of the shepherds, the determination of the magi, and the peace of the Christ child. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Grace-filled. Go in peace and serve the Lord.